is such an inspired song by Gilbert O'Sullivan, Get Down. The excerpt, I just, you know, the podcasts of which this is the 368th, entitled Straining Out Gnats and, i.e. Swallowing Camels, this um, podcast is inspired almost always by music. A tune comes into one's purview, one's hearing, and that touches something inside oneself that is emotional and of the heart and um, touches on the great issues of life which have to do with uh, the mercy of God and the hope of God and the possibility of God to right wrongs and turn things around at all points and especially at down times where it is 100% uh, focused. And um, so the podcast really comes out of that song, Get Down, by Gilbert O'Sullivan from the early 70s, and we will follow with a a self-explanatory excerpt at the end that I hope uh, you will beam while hearing. And the um, podcast was initially uh, spurred, but from the music, really, in relationship to what's happening in the world, and this is not a podcast about world events, it really isn't, but it um, was spurred by it because I was <coughs> watching these powerful and extremely uh, affecting images from the many, many uh, civilian deaths at the Episcopal Hospital in the Gaza Strip. And it seemed like the majority of those killed were women and children, and especially children. And you see these photographs, and there are many of them, especially fathers carrying these dead bodies of their small children wrapped in a sheet because they have almost instantaneous burials in the in Islam. And uh, the power of that, and I was connecting with the publicity, let's exa- for example, in one's own denomination, relevant to... Uh, to uh, inappropriate touching or inappropriate behavior of, say, an accusation of a sitting bishop in relationship to a colleague, Uh, one very high-profile situation recently where we uh, were um, uh, briefed for weeks and weeks uh, at the highest level of church and church-related media uh, on uh, an accusation of inappropriate touching, which I'm not for the minute contesting at all, um, the allegation, and then in relationship to someone else and someone else, and then pronouns and someone being fired for this or that, all of which are um, uh, worth study and worth uh, discussion and often worth action. And yet then I saw these... Uh, pictures of little children being um, really murdered, whether in Israel, for sure, or in uh, the Gaza Strip, for sure. And I compared, I said, you know, an example of some um, um, mean, self-involved, possibly intoxicated uh, 
senior clergyman for five seconds uh, did a bad thing with uh, someone involving power and all the usual uh, expressions of it and descriptions of it, and yet nobody died. I mean, it lasted for just a few minutes, maybe. could have been more, could have been less. But no one died, and it wasn't a child. And uh, so here we are absolutely focused on something that is... Um, seems all important, and yet in comparison with the death of these little children, um, the death of these women, these defenseless women, uh, the death of these families uh, killed by Hamas, and these uh, horrible um, missiles going awry in, uh, across the border, is there any comparison, really? Uh, how, how totally misevaluated the um, importance those things which are grave and of serious need to be stopped, as opposed to those things which also need to be stopped but are of a wholly different character. A clergyman in England whom we've known forever, accused of not really of crimes nor even really of uh, of inappropriateness, but of, of using power. Uh, and we see that. We've seen it in American, some American clergy. I've never run into it personally. I've run into some terrible bishops, but not quite to the extent that these accusations involve, but um, no, quote, crime in the formal sense was um, was committed, and yet here these children are in these bloody sheets, or a family wiped out, or a baby killed in the cradle. And um, I kept thinking of Christ's uh, words um, to the what we now call the religious leaders of his time, who would say, he would say, you are um, straining out gnats. In other words, you're, you're, you're deeply committed to um, filtering out minor league um, insects, and yet you appear to be swallowing whole camels. There's no comparison. What You're taking in things that are of, of incomparably greater weight and damage and seriousness than the things you're focused on, which is the gnats. And I thought to myself, isn't this classic? It's not just true of today and our culture. It's true of life. You, you think of all the things that you focus on that are wildly unimportant in the long view, in light of your death, and compare that to what really... Um, is important. Uh, I speak uh, now from time to time. I've spoken twice recently in parish settings um, about um, when you're dying, what you really focus on. And, and when you're dying, even if you're dying in a place of serenity and peacefulness, but especially if you're unresolved, something comes into your consciousness. If they haven't over-medicated you prematurely, you, nothing wrong with pain medication, in hospice, but don't do it too quickly because you may need time to deal with something that God has given you those moments to deal with before you die. And that's absolutely essential. It's not a, it's essential that you do it. It's not a law. It's an empirical, it's an empirical um, description. People absolutely are required to deal with certain things before they die because you just don't want to die with something on your conscience or a pain, a scar, a stain, uh, to quote, my friend's mentor, Danny Deardorff, a stain. Um, you don't want to die with a stain that you've been working on for many years that is still there. You want to die without the stain. And uh, that's the 
that's what you ought to be devoting time with, straining out the camel, not the not the gnat. Uh, you know, I constantly say to Mary, you know, I come in from someplace and, and she's dead right to see this as sort of pathetic. I immediately start washing the dishes or I immediately, you know, I get up from a nap and my first thought is to check on the laundry and the dryer. Um, One's focus gets on process elements and I'll say, you know, I wish we didn't ever have to make another bed as long as we live. And what happens is I strain out the gnat. The gnat is the need to, to, uh, make the bed in the morning, which is a perfectly good thing to do and a right and orderly thing to do, but can also absolutely rule your life. And compared to, to what's happening in Israel and Gaza, or compared to what's actually happening in you, what's actually happening in me and you, we're not actually focused deep down on making the bed. It's a kind of a natural uh, and becomes habitual and almost insuperable defense against what's important. And the power of what I've been trying to teach all these years, this is where we get to something more significant, is, um, and I'm just applying current uh, current gnats and flies uh, as opposed to current camels. And we do have a tendency, let's face it, to focus uh, even in church life or Christian life on the gnats and not on the camels. And then the camels are there, though. That we, we call it the elephant in the room. Jesus would have called it the camel in the room. The elephant in the room is what we're not dealing with, and all we're dealing with is what the old thing about rearranging chairs on the Titanic. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Gnats, straining out gnats and swallowing camels, pronouns. And uh, the camels are there. And every time I go speak to a a group about, you know, you need to deal with what's important, not unimportant. And that, by the way, is a Protestant insight. The Protestant insight is that what's really happening in your life is inward. What's most important in your life is inward and motivational and uh, energizing both negatively and positively. And it's really about loss of love or gain of love, loss of function or gain of function, loss of belovedness or gain of belovedness. That's what's really, that's the camel of your life. But if you're like me, you wake up and before the quiet time with your wonderful wife of almost 50 years, uh, you, uh, the mother of your wonderful children and the grandmother of wonderful grandchildren, all you're thinking about is the pain and negativity of making the bed and getting the hospital corners right or not, depending on how your toes were sandwiched in the other night or not. I mean, give me a royal break. Now, the Protestant principle says, swallow the work on swallowing the gnat. Work on dealing with the gnat or making the gnat swallow a bull. Don't in inevitably focus on, um, and all narratives are really a form of gnats. They're a form of uh, superimposition of a mental defense to organize uh, unwieldy and uh, camel-like data into some manageable, uh, defendable, um, administratable data such that you can swallow it and you can't do it and that's why the the camels become narrativized and they never work because the 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 narrative cannot possibly swallow the camel the camel is always larger than a narrative god is larger than our hearts both positively and negatively as uh, the great epistle says in john and uh first john and this is uh, the point of the podcast the power of that which is crucial as over against the power um of that which is uncrucial. And uh, the last thing I'll close on, I have this blog called The Protestant Face of Anglicanism. And uh, I try to find images 
both from, especially from churches, um, mostly, actually almost entirely of Anglican, Church of England, Church of England or American Episcopal churches, which bear out a Protestant understanding of our history and tradition, which has been largely ignored and sort of swept under the rug because of a false narrative that began in the sort of 1850s and uh, really took over about the 1890s and now has become the kind of easily plasticine, moldable um, kind of Christianity that becomes uh, subservient to whatever's at, um, most powerful or most influential in the zeitgeist. And uh, so I go back to Protestant imagery, which exists, by the way. The Protestant face of Anglicanism is a genuine, real thing. It's about 80% of the data, not 100% of the data. I'm not saying there's not a high church tradition in Anglicanism, even in the 17th century, although not by... The terms that we use, high church, and the way it was put into place liturgically and architecturally and furniture-wise back in the 17th century was nothing like what we see it. But nevertheless, let's say that the Protestant face of Anglicanism is not the whole picture, but I would say it's about 75 to 80 percent of the picture. In fact, if you look at the evidence which has been suppressed, I mean, the the, the, the thousands, that's not an exaggeration, of, uh, of uh, lithographs, mesotints, etchings, drawings, watercolors, engravings, paintings of Protestant Anglican interiors of churches so outweigh the other side of life. If, but, but they've all been, they're all sort of lost in English um, antiquarian bookstores and, uh, you know, the Victorian Albert and files that no one's looked at or pictures by the great painter Turner uh, that are... um that are, have, have not been shown, you know, at the V&A or wherever they are, the Tate. Uh, but that's, my point is that um, we swallow camels but spend all our time straining out nets. But the Protestant principle, <clears throat> that's a narrative too, but the principle of Christian faith <clears throat> is that man and God are given to deal with important things and not with secondary matters. And that is, your body forces you to do that at a certain point in your life, whether it's whatever the medical insurance forms actually say you had or the hospital, the hospitalization paperwork says you had, you had it and you, you didn't choose it. And it's forced you at that point, as I've often said, to focus on the camels in your life, not on the gnats. And I'll close by describing a stingless window in a parish in Devon. Uh, there's a, another Tumblr blog called Devon Churchland, or I think it's an Instagram blog. And the writer, the curator of the um, site is really much more into sort of conventional Victorian high church interiors, all of which were sort of committed to architectural expression and liturgical expression in the late 1800s and early 1900s. But they're beautiful, nevertheless. Uh, But they were all sort of superimposed on a basic Protestant outline and plaque, plat, P-L-A-T in these churches. But the other day there was one of a a stained glass window in Cadley, that's C-A-D-E-L-E-I-G-H. And... um, it's of Mary. It's a beautiful Victorian, or I think possibly Edwardian stained glass window of Mary and the baby Jesus. And uh, you'll see it on my Tumblr blog. And um, Mary is dressed in blue, so it's a Catholic picture of Mary. And she's holding the infant Jesus, who's wonderful. It's a perfect, perfect example, a lush example of a kind of glassmaking that was really, really well done. Um, better, really, than 17th century glass, although that 
that is also marvelous. And Jesus is holding a cross. Now, I've seen that imagery before in Catholic art, where the mother of God, um, Mater Dei, is holding the child, Jesus, uh, with a cross. But it's not a crucifix. It's a, he's holding a very, very simple wooden cross, the kind you might buy on the street, you know, to put around your neck if you were visiting a site in, a historic site in, in the Holy Land. It's not Catholic. It's not Orthodox. It's a simple wooden cross, the kind you might find in a military graveyard, although it's not painted white. And uh, it's, it's an instantaneous connection that the child Jesus is holding a simple absolutely unornamented wooden cross and he's looking at you the child with these extraordinarily piercing eyes and holding the cross in front of him at you he's not holding a cross that is explanatory of his death on the cross but it's holding the simple simple um, expression that that's what you have to face when you see God, which is a symbol of absolute forgiveness and mercy and second chances, no matter what. It's a Tullian Davidian image, and I salute Tullian for his lack of uh, contingency and lack of elaboration when it comes to that simple wooden cross, but it goes back to John Wesley and Martin Luther and of some of the great saints in the Catholic tradition also, but it is something that I can identify with because it is a, it is designed to 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 filter the camel of your life and digest the camel of your life and ingest the camel in your life in such a way that it becomes assimilated with your overall life and not not the the undigestible um, uh, piece of uh, you know undigested sandwich that blocks your digestion forever and ever it is not that it dissolves the camel dissolves as opposed to the spending all that time on gnats and flies and that's my message today that is the protestant insight that's the message of the gospel and that is what came across to me as i thought about the uh, extraordinarily affecting uh, imagery of the uh, I guess we'd have to probably say murdered children, um, really on both sides of the aisle in the Middle East, and that extreme um, sort of impoverishedness of our own nets and camels that we spend all our time focusing on, whether it's in the news and in the narratives of social media or whether it's just in our own lives when PZ gets up and worries more about making the bed and uh, having the right number of Truvia packets in a cup of coffee or having enough to last me a week. Um, are you kidding? Are you absolutely kidding? So here we are. Okay, we conclude with a, um, a little piece of music that puts everything on the right foot. Now remember, sometimes people get, they think I'm more serious than I am. Always listen to the music with a sense of humor on the cast because what I'm now going to play you is probably as... as uh, radio-sensitive, a radio-sinative and uh, pregnant, a piece of uh, um, expression musically that I could play you. But do remember that, um, you know, Alfred E. Newman, remember him too. All my love to you. God bless. <laughs>